You guys ready for the word? All right, we've got Brian Fenimore who is going to bring it, as he always does. So tell you what, can you guys all stand up, give Brian a big hand for... Blessed to have this brother in from Kansas City. He's such a blessing to, uh, to come in and just to, to just download everything that's been downloaded to him, or at least part of what's been downloaded to him. But uh, So, yeah, without further ado. Also, I just want to let you guys know, we have buckets in the back, and, of course, uh, every time Brian comes in, we just want to bless him as he is just part of the family. We love this guy. And so uh, you can write your checks out to The Rock and put them in the buckets that are in the back there. And this will all go to bless Brian. So it's all yours, brother. It's a pleasure to be with you. Please grab your Bibles and go with me to Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10. As you're uh, doing that, would you join me in prayer? Father, we've come to hear from you this evening. Um, would you take the things of the kingdom that seem complicated and would you make them simple for us to understand them? Would you allow your word to go forth and penetrate our hearts so that we can walk with you? I thank you for the grace that has been made available to us, Lord. Now, would you release your power inside our souls so that we would be rooted and grounded in love tonight? In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. If you've turned with me to Ephesians chapter 6, we'll start in verse 10. And um, obviously you've been doing this for the last several weeks, but I just want to do a review of the scripture, and then we're going to cover my part this evening. It says this, finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the full armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. Now, we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but we but against rulers, against authorities, against cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly place. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all to stand firm, stand therefore, having fastened the belt of truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness, and as the shoes of your feet, having the readiness of the gospel of peace, and in all circumstances, take up the shield of faith, for which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of evil. Take up the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. All right. My part that I'm going to cover with you this evening is the sword of the Spirit. Yeah, isn't that good? All right. Now, when we talk about the armor of God, I'm, I'm sure you guys have seen this. The first part that Paul is beginning to describe is he's beginning to address um, the armor of God. And so I just want to start by just kind of laying out an idea that Paul's dealing with. He's saying, now, you and I are dealing with evil, and we have evil on the natural level. And in that, you and I have to learn on a daily basis how to repel and deal with evil in our lives. And so this is the part that Paul is talking about with the armor. So I learn how to deal with evil myself, and then I learn how to minister to other people so that evil can be driven away from them. But think about this. This is how Paul talks about the earthly influence of evil, but he's saying 
Everything that's going on over there has an original problem, and the problem is evil in the spirit realm. And so he's saying, when you want to actually deal with that over there, you have to learn how to deal with it here first, and the effect of it is felt over there. And see, you and I have been raised in Western culture, and so we've been taught that there's no supernaturalism, and if we are in the church, we do believe in supernaturalism, but we believe that most things are dealt with at this level. And Paul is now addressing this, and he's saying, if you put your idea of dealing with evil specifically at this realm, you're going to be chasing it and never feel like you have victory with it. So what he's going to now do is say, change your focus and start seeing yourself the way you are. You're seated with Christ in heavenly places and deal with evil here, and then you have power to deal with evil there. Now, let's take the sword of the Spirit. First thing that we need to do is we need to develop the idea of what is the sword of the Spirit. Now, it's interesting enough, the sword isn't actually this big, long, have you guys ever seen those movies where these guys have six feet swords and they're wielding them around and stuff like that? Well, that's actually not the word that's used for sword in this passage. In the Greek New Testament, this sword is really only 12 inches to 15 inches long. It's more like a dagger. And if you understand warfare and the armory that Paul is using, this is what they would use. They would come up in battle to the enemy. They'd use their shield to block him, and then they'd pull out this dagger and stab. And so it's actually close combat that this weapon is given to us. Also, think about this with me. All the other armory that you're given in the armory of God is defensive. This is the only armor that God has given you that actually repels the enemy. So now think about it. You need all of it, but this is the one that God has given you so that you can actually push evil away from you. Not just protect yourself from evil, but actually push it away from you. And are you guys like I am? Living in a world that's fallen and I see and observe evil, I'm actually kind of tired of evil being around me. I'd actually like a solution to actually deal with. And so the Bible, the Lord is kind enough to say, well, I've given you what it actually takes to actually push evil away from you. And he uses this idea of the sword of the spirit. And then he begins to describe what it is. Now, what I want to do is I want to give you an idea of what this sword or this idea of the sword of the Spirit looks like. And so he describes it as the Word of God. The sword of the Spirit is the Word of God. So would you guys go with me and let's look at a picture of him describing how powerful his Word is. And it's in Revelation chapter 1, verse 16. So turn with me real quick to Revelation chapter 1, verse 16. All right, now it's talking about here's Jesus. He's been glorified. He's now dealing with the churches. And in this passage, it says in verse 16 of Revelation chapter 1, In his right hand he held seven stars. From his mouth came a sharp two-edged sword, and his face was like the sun shining in full strength. So now it's describing that in this symbolic picture that John is observing, a sword is coming out of his mouth. And the idea is that God's word is a sword that actually divides and pierces and deals with things. 
Now, it's very important that you see that Christ and his word has a piercing effect because of the power that's behind God's word. Now, here, you and I are in an interesting situation. This isn't something that you just learn by studying the scripture. You learn by putting it into practice. You'll actually discover that God's word in your mouth is very powerful to deal and pierce things. And so it's showing us this natural picture that God's word has this double-edged, effective ability to actually deal with not only the things going on in our life personally, but evil in a heavenly place and an earthly place. In fact, I would actually say this. The first time that I actually discovered that is when the Lord started encouraging me to actually pray for the sick. I actually learned the power of God's word as I dealt with physical infirmities and had to drive out or do deliverance in people's lives. And I saw that it was God's word that actually would deal with evil in people's lives or fallenness or brokenness or anything that they were dealing with. And so God's word is very powerful, but you learn by putting it into practice. And that's what the Lord wants us to understand. All right, so when it uses this idea for sword, we see that God's word coming out of Jesus' mouth is powerful and it's two-edged and it has the ability to deal with stuff. Now, what we want to do is we want to now go to how Jesus actually ministered the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, and see how he used it. Now, if you guys are like I am, it's fun to hear how we use the weapons, but the Bible always uses Jesus as the standard. Now, why is that so important before we look at this? If, I use, if we use each other, depending on how mature you are in the Lord, I can only lead you up to my maturity level. Jesus is the standard of maturity. So how he models it is how we should do it. Now, the passage that we want to look at, how Jesus did this, comes to us out of Matthew chapter 4. So would you guys turn with me to Matthew chapter 4? And I'm sure you guys observe this when you come to Matthew chapter 4. I, when I first started looking at this and reading this, I was amazed at the fact that um, Jesus actually was led by the Holy Spirit after the Father gave the Father's blessing to him out into the wilderness to actually be tempted by the devil. I mean, are you guys like I am? Who wants to be tempted? And yet God sent him specifically out there, and I believe... The reason wasn't just to tempt Jesus. I think the reason was, was to show Jesus that the word of God had power to overcome our greatest enemy. And that's what we need to learn from this. I don't know how you guys view evil. I have to admit that I'm like this. I'm trying to avoid it at all costs. I don't look to go into battle. And yet Jesus is saying, actually, if you realize that you have ultimate authority, you should enjoy the battle, not be afraid of it. How many of you say, yeah, I can't wait till tomorrow to see what the enemy's going to do. Let's go for it. And yet there should be that sense of I have nothing to fear. God is with me. So let's look at it in, in Matthew chapter 4, verse 1. Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And after fasting for 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. And the tempter came and he said to him, now, if you are the Son of God, Command these stones to become loaves of bread. And he answered. Now here's how the weapon is used. It is written. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Then the devil took him to the holy setting, set him on a pinnacle of the temple, and he said, Now if you're the son of God, throw yourself down. 
For it is written, he will command his angels concerning you, and on their hands they will bear you up, lest you strike your foot against the stone. Jesus said, again, it is written, you shall not put the Lord your God to the test. Then he takes him to the high mountain, and Jesus responds again, it is written. Now, if you guys are thinking, well, does that mean every time I have a temptation or I'm dealing with something, I always have to start by, it is written? No, I think Jesus is trying to show us that how powerful the word of God is. Now, the sword of the Spirit is said to be the word of God. Let's work through that just for a moment. What is the word of God? How is it the sword of the Spirit? When it says it's the word of God, it is now beginning to present the idea of how powerful God's word is. There are two words in the Bible for the word word out of the Greek New Testament. The first one is logos. We see this in John chapter 1. In the beginning was the word, the logos. Now, logos doesn't just mean writing or understanding. It's actually, are you guys ready for this? It's the Greek word. The basis of it means the logic or the understanding or the heart of something. So Jesus is the logic or the heart of God. So when you see him, you want to know what God thinks about something, you look at Jesus. That's what God thinks about something. But there's another word, and it's this Greek word that we're going to focus on that's used for the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. It's the word rhema. Now, have any of you ever heard of the word rhema? Okay, so three of you. Good. All right, so what is a rhema? Now, meaning of words are very important in the Bible. So a rhema word has two concepts behind it. The first one is it's called a spoken word. Or it means a living, dynamic conversation. Or the power to impart life into a situation. So did you get that? It's a spoken word. It's a living, dynamic word. It's from a conversation. And it's a word that imparts life into a situation. So are you guys ready? What is our, what is our sword? It's the word of God. So now when I take the logos and I take a word from it, it becomes live and active to actually deal with evil. And that's what Jesus is modeling. It is written, and then he says the word. Now, I don't know if you do this as a lifestyle, but I've, in the last several years, have pulled myself back and started intentionally proclaiming the word of God in my life intentionally to deal with evil. Not just telling everybody, and if you hang around me, you notice this. I do this quite a bit. It's one of my weaknesses is I share with everybody all my problems. I mean, it's kind of wearing to be with me after a while. There's like, how are you doing? Well, my life's falling apart. I mean, it's kind of a drag. And the, and the Lord started actually saying, now, that it's not wrong to share that, but you also need to learn how to step into a place of just not accepting that and begin to speak the things, my word, because my word has power and you can see the effect of it. Now, this means that as evil is coming towards me, God is saying the way you address it is by, ready, speaking to it. And so I learn to speak to evil, not just break the power of it, but actually addressing God's solution to the evil that's coming towards it. Now, as I was getting ready for this, I started realizing, and the Lord started encouraging me this afternoon as I was driving up here, that a lot of times 
we're dealing with stuff that's come from our family and from our generations. That God actually wants us to begin to speak a living, dynamic word that will break a yoke over so that we don't have to live under that. Now, for some odd reason, this week, before I came up with you, my wife and I were down in Pueblo meeting her family and talking about just their upbringing. And by the time we got in the car and drove up here, I, I literally was just thanking the Lord that he was alive and real because of the mess that was in our extended family. Now, don't give this tape to them. I don't think they'd be excited about that. But every time we got together and we started reviewing their past, it was just this avalanche of the effect of a curse. And it made me realize that in very specific times of my life, I've had people speak God's living, dynamic word to me that's broken the effect of that past in my life, and it's not gone to my children. And God wants you to learn to live how powerful his word is. I'm sure there are many of you in this room, just like me, that I've come from a past that is so broken, I didn't think there was any hope, and yet God's word has been living, dynamic, and spoken to me, and it's set me free from that. And that's what God wants you to learn when it comes to this idea of speaking this. And so it might seem uncomfortable to you. I remember the first few years I started doing it, I felt uncomfortable speaking words to situations. Because you think, well, you know, that's an inanimate object. What is it going to do to do that? But God is trying to teach you. You're looking at it from a natural place. Look at it from his perspective. His words form the universe. His word brought you into salvation. Anything that happens in your life comes from his word. And so it's incredibly powerful, it's incredibly dynamic, and it's the only thing that God has given to us as a weapon to deal with evil. Isn't that amazing? See, on the natural realm, we use our strength to try to deal with evil. But that's the lowest form of exerting some influence. The highest form, isn't this amazing? Have you guys ever thought about this? The highest form of dealing with evil means I get alone with God, and he and I have a conversation. He begins to tell me what he wants me to do, and I proclaim it in a situation, and it affects everything. Several years ago, when I was studying in Cara Springs at my Bible college, which I just found out on this trip, they've closed the town. I was very depressed and actually started weeping about that. But the Bible college that I was trained at, uh, I was brought into this situation with the Lord where one of the students that I went to Bible college with, his daughter started having seizures every night. And, and the um, professor every night before we had class would say, who needs prayer? What's your prayer request? And it ended up being this gentleman's daughter that took over it for months. And she choked every night. She'd almost uh, die. And then it would lift off of her. And all of us would just be confused, like, well, we pray for this, nothing changes. I wonder what that is. And I had no concept of demonic spirits. I had no concept of spiritual warfare. I mean, I'd literally been saved for four months. And I'm watching this going, huh, I wonder why nothing's changing. About four months into it, the professor's raising his hand. We're getting ready for um, Christmas break. And he says, who has prayer requests? And none of us ever even told our prayer requests anymore. We just looked at that student. 
So it's his turn. He's now saying, my I took my daughter to the emergency ward again. She turned blue. She almost passed out. We don't know what's going on. I'm going to have to quit Bible college. I've run up such a bill in the emergency ward. We're up to half a million dollars now. Uh, it's wiping us out. My wife and I are in despair. We believe we're going to lose our daughter. I mean, guys, that's evil. I'm listening to this, and I'm thinking, I, I mean, when he, every time he brought it up, I just felt like I didn't even know the Lord. Have you guys ever been in that kind of situation? This evil stuff's going on, and you don't have any solution for it, and you're just watching it, and you're going, I don't know what to do. And he says, I think I'm going to quit Bible college. And when I put my head down to pray, the Lord says, you're going to pray for her until she gets healed. Now, <laughs> I don't know if you ever have the Lord say those kind of things to you. Do you ever hear that kind of stuff from Jesus, and then you say, well, how long is that going to take? <laughs> I, mean, I mean, how many years are we talking about here? And when he told me that, I felt his hand come on my heart, and then I remember just stepping into this place going, I don't even know how to do this. So I went under this extreme learning curve from the Lord on how to pray for that girl. I'm not going to go over the whole story. I'm going to finish it. The Lord had me intentionally address a demonic spirit that was harassing us. Now, you guys remember, I didn't even believe in that. The Lord's having me verbally. I'm in my apartment getting ready for class, praying for her every day, and proclaiming that this will be broken over her life and wondering if I'm just saying stuff to the wind or if anything's going to change. I go to class. Uh, he, he raises his hand. This is still going on. And the Lord tells me, address it, and it's going to be broken today. So I pray. I feel something happen in the spirit, but I don't know what's going on. I go to class. They ask him, how is it? Well, it was, this is the worst episode we ever had. All right now, think about that. I feel something's broken. It's worse that night than any other night. Now I'm like, what is going on? I come back to the Lord, and he says, don't pray about it anymore. Thank me for it. I want you to switch now because the work is done. Now, this is the first time I've ever done this. I thought, well, really, are, is this really the Lord speaking to me or am I just absolutely out of my mind here? Okay, I come back the next day. I'm thanking the Lord for doing it. I'm blessing his name. And I come back to class and the teacher goes, and I thought it was funny, just so you guys understand. He'd say, who needs a prayer request? And every teacher would just look at this student waiting for him to raise his hand. So he said, all right, who needs a prayer request? And everybody looks at him, and he's not raising his hand. And the teacher even said, Mitch, do you, do you want to raise your hand? And he goes, no. He goes, well, what's going on with you? He goes, well, we didn't have to take her to the emergency ward. He said, all right, now, isn't this funny? I'm in a Bible college. We're supposed to believe God can do this kind of stuff. And he's going, are you sure? <laughs> After he said that, my heart started beating like, did this actually, could this possibly happen now? Are you guys like I am? I don't want to trust that it is, so I have to wait three months to wait to see if it's the Lord. So I'm watching him for a week. He's not raising his hands. Everyone's like, well, is any, no, she, for some odd reason, it's just stopped. So I finally, three weeks later, after he stopped raising his hands, I got the courage to come up to him and say, so what happened? I mean, how did it stop? He goes, I don't know. It's just that one day it got really bad. And then she's never had an episode since that point on. Now, that situation changed me. Because I thought my job was to deal with evil as best I could in my own strength. Jesus took me over there and said, no, the battle 
is with my word, and when you dealt with it in the right place, it broke the power over fear. And that's what Jesus wants for you. He's given you his logos to speak into situations. He's given you his immediate dynamic word, prophecy, those kind of things to break evil so that it doesn't overcome you. Isn't that good? All right. Now, let's, let's pray for you to grab your weapon and use it properly. Would you join me? Let's pray. Lord, we want to know how to use your word to defeat evil. Would you teach us to take your promises and proclaim them? Would you give us a heart that you have? You're an overcomer, and you live inside of us. Let us begin to overcome. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, amen. All right, will you guys turn your attention with me? Uh, the Lord gave me some words that we're going to deal with. If you have this or this applies to you, would you mind standing so that we can pray for you this evening? The first word had to do with this. He used it out of Psalms 91, and he said that um, some people in here are dealing with this concept called the terror at night. And the way he described it to me is some of you actually have this thing happening to you that you either are having nightmares and you don't know how to break free from it, or you're actually afraid to go to sleep because you have a sense of evil coming near you. If that's you, would you stand? The Lord would like to minister to you. Deal with terror at night. I'm sorry you're dealing with that. Anybody else? All right, let's pray for these two ladies. Holy Spirit, would you just bring your power and your presence around your daughters? And I just break the power of the terror at night. And I command it to lift off of them right now and not visit them again in the name of Jesus. Would you strengthen them, Lord? And any of this that comes from their past or their family, we just command it to lift off in the name of Jesus Christ. And we ask that you would restore peace to your children. In the name of Jesus, amen. Thank you. You may be seated. Or stay in as long as they want to pray with you, I should say. If you're dealing with breathing problems, uh, the Lord was showing me like asthma and just heaviness in your breathing. Or you have COPD, so it's both. It's breathing problems in general or COPD, which you stand, the Lord wants to minister to you. And I'm sorry you're dealing with it. I know it's not fun to have this condition, this condition, but please respond. The Lord would like to minister to you. All right, please, would you extend your hands if you have breathing problems? And let's invite the Lord. Holy Spirit, would you just bring your healing power and presence over their lungs? And release your power over them, Lord. And I ask, Lord, like the breath of life would be released into their lungs right now. Uh, open up their bronchial tubes. I break the power of this infirmity, and I command it to lift off them right now in the name of Jesus. And I ask, Lord, that you would give them the covenant blessing of wholeness. Bring wholeness over your people right now in the name of Jesus Christ. Now, let's just wait a moment. Thank you, Father. We bless your name. In the name of Jesus, amen. All right, you may 
be seated. Thank you. Okay. Um, trying to do some of this stuff with the Lord. Is there a young man here tonight named Ryan? Not Brian, but Ryan. Or is someone, is someone related to a young man named Ryan? Here's what the Lord gave me. He enjoys football and video games. That almost sounds like every young man, doesn't it? But is there <laughs> someone here that they, is named Ryan or is related to someone named Ryan that really enjoys football and video games? Is that you? Okay, can we just pray for him for a sec? Because uh, the Lord, I didn't know if he was going to be here or not. Uh, the Lord actually told me this, is that I actually, I saw the Lord Jesus Christ go into his bedroom while he's sleeping, and he told me he was going to give him encounters in dreams. So could we pray for that for him? Okay. <laughs> you like that, good. All right. <laughs> You're fine right there. All right, so, yeah. So, Father, for this young man named Ryan that really likes football and this stuff with video games, would you, as you've told us, would you go to him while he sleeps, and would you begin to speak to him? And reveal yourself to him. And Father, this is, um, this is a cry that's actually on the heart of the family that he would have a dynamic encounter with you. And I believe you're responding back. So Lord, minister to him and release your power over him. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, amen. Thank you for coming up and <laughs> praying with him. That's awesome. All right. Oh, hey. God still loves people in Wisconsin, doesn't he? That's awesome. All right. Um, now, this was actually hard. Uh, the Lord said it to me, but I'm, a hard I'm having a hard time pronouncing it. It's uh, Janae. Is there a woman here named Janae? Okay. I, I really felt it was the Lord, so I'm going to go ahead and give it. It's Janae or something like that. And um, is that you? That's you? Does that, okay, Stan, hey. <laughs> the way he said it to me, it was very difficult. I'm like, I've never heard that name before, so thank you. Thanks for having a wonderful name. All right. Now, I'm going to be, um, I'm going to talk to you just for a minute. I want to see if this is the Lord, okay? Did you grow up and your childhood you felt was difficult? Okay. Um, the Lord wanted me to tell you this. Do you, by the, I'm going to just stop for a second. Do you feel the love of God coming near you right now? Okay, could you just put your hands out? Okay, so here's what the Lord wanted me to tell you. The Lord told me that he was aware of what's happened to you in your past. He is going to come to you. And he says that you are going to experience his blessing. For what has done been done to you, God has made a note of it, and it is not going to be your future. And the blessing of the Lord is going to rest upon you and upon your future. So can I pray for you about that? Father, would you bring your father's heart to your daughter right now? And would you just lift the power of this from her in the name of Jesus? And I command the blessing of the Lord over your daughter right now in the name of Jesus Christ. And I ask that you would strengthen her and that she would have a profound sense of the future and your blessing resting upon her. Right now, in the name of Jesus, amen. Thank you so much for letting me pray for you. And then when I felt that from the Lord, 
I'm sorry I did a terrible job trying to pronounce your name, but um, when I felt that from the Lord, then the Lord switched and said, this isn't just for her, this is for everyone in this room that's ha felt a terrible childhood experience. So if you've had, this almost sounds like the United States, but if you had a rough <laughs> childhood experience, the grace of the Lord is here for you tonight, so would you stand? The Lord would like to minister to you. And I'm so sorry you've had to go through this. The Lord, now, it, this is going to switch, so just put your hands out like you're receiving a blessing. The Lord wanted me to tell you that weight that you feel resting on your soul, the Lord is intentionally bringing the grace of the Lord to you right now to lift that off of you. So, Holy Spirit, bring your healing power over your children right now. And the effects of a hard childhood, the effects on the mind, the emotions, and the spirit, I break the power of that right now, and I ask that you would release your wholeness back to your people. And I ask that a deep sense of the Father's acceptance and security would rest upon you right now in the name of Jesus Christ. And I command the blessing of the Lord over you. You are pleasing in the sight of the Lord. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, amen. Thank you. You may be seated. And this is the, I'm going to give this to all of you, but I want you to test and weigh it because I'm trying to figure out where the Lord is going with this. There was two things during worship the Lord was showing me that he's doing in the grace of God with you uh, in this season coming up. And he told me, he used symbolic language, there's an altar of the Lord being put in the midst of you guys. Now, altars have different things in Scripture. So he said there's two effects of the grace of God that's going to be coming to you, and he wants you to test it, weigh it, pray about it, okay? First one is this. The gift of repentance is going to be released to you as a group of people. Now, that's actually a gift. And that's what an altar represents is the ability to break free from stuff. That's what the gift of repentance is. But the gift of repentance isn't just the ability to let go of something. It's an appearance of the Lord Jesus Christ himself that allows you to let things go. And so the Lord is going to make himself known to this group of people in such a way that they're going to be willing to be free from things. The second thing that's coming is the grace of God to liberate the heart. The Lord was showing me that he's uh, it, it was actually like I was standing before the throne of God and this river came from the throne of God and he said, it's time for freedom to be in the midst of my people. And he says, it's time for grace to be for that. And so would you, would you just join me in praying that God will do that for you guys here? All right, join me just for a moment. Lord, we align your heart with this. Would you allow an altar be in the midst, the manifest presence of your glory. And would you give us the gifts of repentance, appear to us, Lord, and set us free. Would you allow the freedom that flows from your throne to just wash over people as they come in here to worship and hear the word? We say yes to you in this, Lord. However you want to do it, the deepness of it and the richness of us, we say yes. 
In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, amen. All right, guys, thank you for letting me be here this evening. And Mike, here you go. All right, how many enjoyed that? So I'll give him a little plug. He is here the first, you know, he comes and shares with us on the first Wednesday night, or happens to be the last Wednesday night this month. Uh, <laughs> but he's here uh, the, on the Thursday following that. So tomorrow night he will be speaking at 7 o'clock in the chapel. And if you would like to get to hear more of the biblical revel revelation that, I mean, gosh, what he walks in is so powerful. And uh, if you would like to receive a little bit more insight into that, I, I encourage you to come tomorrow night at 7 uh, and hear what Brian has to share. Do you know what you're talking about tomorrow night? Your identity. Even better. So why don't we all stand? Brian, do you have a question you want them to discuss as they go out to the table about the sword of the Spirit? A challenge for them? question is, are you walking with the sword of the Spirit, or when's the last time you've used the sword of the Spirit? Does that make sense? Are you walking in it, or when's the last time you have used it? It's a good one. So as we go to the tables tonight, and if you, this is your first time here, basically we just we all go sit at a table and we have a chance to discuss the question you just talked about, but get to know uh, the people around the table that you're at. And uh, just find one that has an opening. Feel free to join in. This is how we become family and get to know each other better. I want to remind you that there are buckets in the back if you would like to bless Brian. And then one final reminder that Saturday morning at 9 a.m. at the amphitheater at the MAC is the Castle Rock Day of Prayer where all the churches come together and pray as one for our, for our town. I want to encourage you to be there at 9 a.m. So why don't we all head out uh, and, and have our time at the tables. God bless you guys. <laughs>